Okay, so uh, we are actually live now, Ryan. Yeah, I can give you some music here. We'll make it official. Okay, yeah, give us some music. Okay, ready? Cue music. Thought I was going to be the guy. Where's the music? Oh, man, come on, Ryan. You killed him, Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) Hold on. He needs one of the boards that they have at the radio station. I got to hit a switch. There's we the can't let John think that he's the thing that keeps us running. There it is. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, I'm going to be your MC today. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BHIS News of the Week. What are we, is that what we're calling this thing? Okay. Talking anyway. about talking about news. Talking, yeah, talking about, about news here. All right. So here we are. It's a Monday. I know. I just know that all of you out there love Mondays. Yeah. So uh, we're here, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a uh, kind of informal, fun segment or a semi-fun segment. It's gonna be fun. Don't worry about it. What we're gonna do is uh, we we sort of powwowed around the microphone here and decided first number one, Joff sounds best for sure because he's got the best mic in the house. Yeah. Uh, and okay. second, hey, I'm pretty um, good. That. Oh yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Uh, and and second, that second. what would be what would be fun <laughs> is for Ryan to stop interrupting me. No, what would be fun is for us to talk about some pen testing tips and tricks on our latest tests, just to sort of talk about the new things that we learn every single day in this career. What a lot of people don't realize, and look, I know that not everybody in the audience is a pen tester 100% of the time. But if you are, if you're in this field on the offensive side, I I can say with authority, and I've been doing this for a few years, you know, hence the lack of follicles on the top of my head, I can say with authority that you actually come to work every day feeling imposter syndrome, I mean, just all the time. It, It is just one of those things in this industry that just when you think you have a handle on it, you realize that you know absolutely nothing and you're going to learn a brand new lesson today. This happens all the time. So let's talk about some latest tips and tricks. And I'll, I'll uh, well, I'm going to let... First, I, you know what? first I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Oh, man, I was on a roll. All I right, know. Jason. All right. So you're Joff. I'm, oh, yeah. Introductions. <laughs> Jeez, Josh. <laughs> your first day? I, I thought you'd done this before. I, I have done this before, man. I was on a roll. I was totally in my radio. I, I'm Joff, by the way. <laughs> that's Derek over there. That's Ryan. That's J- Jason's the guy who interrupted me. Jason is an <laughs> awesome content and community person for Black Hills. He told us this morning. It's kind of funny. I'm going to call him out. He told us this morning, you know, it's so much fun working for you guys because I don't have to do anything. It just happens. That's true. That's true. For real. Uh, I, I was telling uh, in a meeting today that you can have great marketing for a terrible product. You can have terrible marketing for a great product. And I was like, but we have both. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, not like the terrible marketing and the terrible product. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not marketing. It's just us being us. But uh, we don't like we, we don't like we also marketing. we left out Ralph because Ralph is and, and Ralph is waiting for Bo to show up at, at his house. Okay, so, so he, he, might, he might have commuted. Neighbors. Uh, but I, I, I know you're going to talk about this thing that you wanted, but I want to put it in context. Uh, okay. So the other day I, I put out a, you know, this idea for a sticker, and it happened on the news last week. Uh, 99.9% effective at preventing breaches was the, the sticker idea. 99.9% effective at preventing breaches, because no one's 100% effective. That's right, um, we can't be 100%. 
but someone flipped it around and said 99.9% effective at causing breaches. Could you say, Joff, that you're 99.9% effective at causing breaches? And that's the context I want to put around these wow. tools and these things that you're doing as a pen tester. Um, mm. You know, that's, mm. a tough, that's a tough question, right? Uh, because, uh, you know, as pen testers, I don't know that, you know, causing breaches is not like in our minds as goals, like hacking stuff and showing you that we could cause a breach, I suppose, kind of lines up. The main thrust of my job being uh, demonstrating risk, right? Yeah, Yeah, demonstrating risk. That's right. Um, So, you know, I I sort of want to modify that statement to be 99.9% effective at scaring the living shit out of people. So. You know, I think definitely at my uh, my time at Black Hills, uh, there have been some really difficult customers. And I think we tend to, uh, you know, attract uh, more mature customers after talking with other folks who work at other pen testing companies. And I'll say, hey, do you notice your customers getting better? I think uh, the last like what la- not last the last ShmooCon that was a ShmooCon, right? Um, I, I sat around and asked a couple of folks at other firms and um, they pretty much said no. And I would have said yes, if you asked me that question. So 99.9%, I think I've only had one or maybe two engagements where I was completely shut down and was not effective at demonstrating any risk. Um, So um, is that 99.9%? Let's go with 99.6%. Yeah, I've done a a lot of engagements, right? And most of the time, yeah, I've been able to find something that uh, was, you know, the customer would have been concerned about. But there, like, there was this one small credit union that had four branches or something, and mm, guy knew his stuff, and it was hard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that. That's you know, that's a really good comment, right? We're we're pretty proud of the fact that our returning customers are actually getting better at what they're doing um, on a frequent basis. And and I hope that is a reflection of the fact that we're giving them good advice. Um, I, I suspect that's the case, uh, but that makes our job harder. Uh, so, that, so, yeah, one of the things we do run into is for the, for the more mature customers, and we have plenty of those, we keep raising the bar, making t- uh, life kind of tough. Anyway, Jason had a comment, I'm sure. Well, I was just going to say, like, so as a pen tester, let's say people are listening to us and they're defenders or they're pen testers. And if you aren't able to breach or you're not able to get in or you're not able to find that risk, do you doubt your skills and abilities or do you honor their skills and abilities or vice versa? Like if the blue team says you can't get in, do they start thinking that you're not very good or do they think that they're good at what they do as defenders? Like, this is an interesting conundrum because you're like, wait, did I not get in because I'm not good? Or did I not get in because they're good? Or did they not get in because I'm good? Or did... Darn it. Right. Right. So, so I think, I think um, it's a bit of a mixture because nobody is like 100% on top of their game every single day of the week. We all have good days and bad days like anybody in any industry. And I, I think it depends on the individual. I, I know that I question myself all the time and I tend to beat myself up a little bit. Uh, but that's why we reach out to each other a lot during testing and go, hey, look, I've tried all these things and I think I'm going nuts. Hey, can you tell me whether I am completely losing it or whether 
you would have done the same things. And, and this is just yeah. tough. Yeah. How many times in the last six months have you called me or I called you specifically? Like All the said, time. Do you, yeah. do you have a minute to talk about this? Because, man, I, and so, you know, I think a lot of us, most of us uh, have a touch of imposter syndrome, right? Like, I definitely am like, man, do I suck at this? And then, like Joff said, like, we'll talk to other testers and get ideas. And then I was I'm just coming off of a red team where we ended up doing some really cool stuff. But, you know, a week and a half in, like, I'm panicking, right? Like, it was it was hard. And, you know, uh, and I'll tell you the story if we get to the story part about it. So well, you can and, and, and tell me if I was cheating or stuff. not. Yeah, but then stupid stuff happens. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was doing doing one last week, and I was trying to proxy some tooling across a Sox proxy that I had set up. Um, and it was failing continuously. I'm like, oh, my God, what the heck is going on? And I reached out to another team member uh, who shall remain unnamed. Um, no, they don't have to, <laughs> but, um, I said, Hey, you know, what's going on here? And I kind of showed him a screenshot, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he's like, Hey man, your proxy's broken. I'm like, no way. He goes, your proxy's broken. He's go, go get another proxy. I was like, all right, well, I, I happen to have a command channel out to a meterpreter metasploit infrastructure instead of a cobalt strike infrastructure. So let me try that one. Tried that one. All the tools worked. I'm like. Okay, so my Cobalt Strike proxy through the C2 channel was broken. And, you know, it's just one of those frustrating moments. And you're pounding your head against the monitor and you're doing these things. You're like, it all should work. I know it should work. And sometimes you just have to step away for a minute or you have to ask somebody else and go, you know, I'm just, I've got tunnel vision. I'm just not backing up and giving myself that opportunity to go, hey, I should really be trying something else here. Um, I think if I was going to give someone who said, hey, I want to become a pen tester, what's, uh, uh, you know, some advice? I think one of the things I would now say to them after doing it for quite some time is, do you get frustrated easy? Uh, Because if you do. If you do, this is not the job for you. You best walk away. Yeah, so this is the other thing about pen testing. You know, we all look at it. I think we all tend to look at it and go, wow, I've got all these tools and techniques and they're going to work every single time and hot diggity. You know what? That's not the way it works. They're hacking techniques. They're designed a lot of times to abuse protocols, to circumvent defenses, to do things that are not normally operationally done in an environment, and to go in with a hat on that says, hey, this is just normal operations. I should have a great day. Yeah, once in a while, you do have a great day, but that's not all the time. You know, oh, yeah, there are definitely t- things that I've done uh, in, in environment A, and everything works great. Same thing in environment B, and I have no idea why, but it's not working. And um, and that's not even considering security products, right? It's just that, you know, one thing, uh, we had, you know, a recent hire at Black Hills who said one of the reasons that he decided to come here was that, you know, throughout his career, he'd only seen a couple of networks. And being a consultant, you get exposed to so many different environments now, and each one of them is a special snowflake. And oh, yeah. learning and, and, and just getting to the point where you can ramp up relatively quickly and learn an environment in a short amount of time is a skill in itself, right? So, so I got to follow up with that one. Uh, I don't know how often you run Bloodhound, but when you run Bloodhound, is it a surprise every time you see the results, or is it Hmm. I, I, I don't think so. Um, that one is fairly predictable. 
it is sometimes I, I would say it's a surprise to run into an environment that we run Bloodhound and we find stupid things that are really, really loose security. For example, like several hundred systems that are local administrative accessible via the domain users group. That is a surprise, right? That I is like, that oh my time. God, what is this? And what that what that is is an Active Directory administrator that's made an egregious error and just forgotten about. And yeah. you know, it, is that IT responsible for that, or is that information security responsible for that, or is that usually information mm-hmm. technology, not security? Security is responsible for a follow up audit on those sort of things if they have regular processes in place to check membership of domain groups, for example. Um, which they should have, but not all organizations have. It depends on their maturity level in their security shop as to what they're doing. I've always heard, like, if you have a good background in IT, it transitions really well into InfoSec because you know where all the, the bodies are buried. You know how you would actually do technology. Yeah. Do you see that to still be the case? Uh, I, without a doubt. I mean, I'm I'm probably not a good guy to ask because I do have that good background. So I think perhaps... I know, in fact, that I go into engagements and I go into conversations with a tremendous amount of background and assumptions that are so automatic and so intrinsic to my thinking that I cannot be very objective about it. Um, and um, but I know when it I know when it is apparent when I have conversations with brand new people that are trying to get into the industry because. Those folks are like, well, you know, how how do I be like a wizard, right? They 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 ask that question, and my natural inclination is, well, hey, how about you go off and have a fifteen to twenty year career in you know information technology, architecture, structure, systems administration, uh, maybe a little bit of developer, da 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 da, and they're like, well, I don't have time for that. I want to be in cybersecurity, man, and and so that's a that's always kind of a difficult conversation because I did have that 20-year career behind me that fed all the stuff that I do now, and it's been tremendously advantageous to have that. Yeah, so I'm in the same boat. I was a systems administrator. I started out like in, in the mid-90s when Novell for Netware was all the rage, right? And so you know, I, I uh, definitely rely on a lot of that knowledge. And then, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, like, especially from folks that haven't been doing it quite as long, like, I'll, I'll take things for granted. But then I will also say, and Joff, tell me what your perspective is on this, that a lot of the new, uh, newer technologies, especially like containers and clouds and stuff, they just weren't around, you know, when I was doing, you know, traditional, like, you know, like network architecture and design. And so you have to be able to adapt and learn those new technologies fairly quickly, um, at least conceptually, right? Like I'm certainly not a Docker expert or an Azure expert, but can I learn enough to find holes and break things? Well, yeah. And so I've definitely, it's not a, you know, even though I think that I would still give that advice to someone who is brand new, say like coming out of college, like it's not going to hurt you to go you know, work in the networking group at an organization and learn Cisco, it's only going to make you better. And then once you get into that organization, then maybe start, you know, uh, you know, get that foundation and start lobbying to, you know, you know, get into so the I, I, I don't think group. you need, yeah, so I don't think you need 20 years. 
telling somebody in, in, who wanted to get into cybersecurity today, I would say, look, go ahead and spend a couple of years just being a system administrator. And while you're doing that, go ahead and on your off hours, learn how to be a developer, pick up a language, just program something. And if you could start with that and then pivot your way into cybersecurity, so we're only talking a couple of years investment in your life, not a lot of time, not a 20-year career, but to get a foundation of how different enterprises and organizations put their stuff together, as Jason put it, so you know where the, you know, the things stashed in the closet are, and then to get a little bit of development experience on top is going to put you in a much better position to be a good, effective cybersecurity professional. Coming in cold, I think, is difficult uh, because you're coming into a world that has a lot of conventions, a lot of ways of doing things, um, a lot of infrastructure that's been built that you've never seen. Um, There's just a lot there that um, it helps to have a little, at least a little bit of experience in there. So my follow-up is like when you go into a pen test and you are, how much of what you're about to do next are you relying on how you believe humans behave and do their jobs versus how much information the tools give you? Mm. Jason's doing a great interview here. I, I'll go first if that's okay, Derek. Um, sure. Mine's probably about 70-30, and I put 70% on how people behave and how I think they're configuring things versus how, what the information the tool is giving me. I'm using the tool as a backup and support for those assumptions and beliefs that I have, uh, but I'm not using it as necessarily authoritative information. Yeah, I'd be in the same boat. I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think the question is like more towards things like, you know, red teams or assumed compromise type tests, because things like, like a web app or even a traditional external or internal, it's kind of a different type of test maybe, but I think, you know, when I'm trying to like, you know, go down the breach road, like I was just on a red team. I think that I like to see kind of how the organization, uh, like I do internal reconnaissance before I start making moves. Like for example, um, one of the things I look for early on is how file shares are set up and, you know, are there like, are there repositories of data that are accessible to just me as a domain user? Once I get like a domain user account and if the answer is yes, and it is very often, yes, then I'll just, I mean, I'll use tools for sure, but I then look at the tools output uh, for that for enumerating through shares and files to kind of make, you know, like, what is my next move? Like the one I was just on, I ended up finding a VMDK file and uh, was able to get it out of the network and get administrator credentials out of it. And well, then it was game on, right? So I, I guess I was kind of looking at the behavior of how, like, there are a lot of backup, like, things available uh, in that environment. And so I just kind of, you know, that was the road that I went down. And so it was kind of a mix of using reconnaissance for in the tool output and then deciding that the organization behaved collectively in a way. And that was what I was going to try and, quote, exploit. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that comes into this is if you, if you do have the background of how things are put together and you have a little bit of developer thrown in on top of that, when you exhaust your tool set, and you do, you can actually pivot and just write something on the fly. You say, okay, I need, to, I need a new tool. I don't have one. I'm going to go ahead and create it um, right now. 
But before uh-huh. I before I go down that road, I usually ask Justin Angel if he has made that tool yet, and about <laughs> half the time the answer is yes. So yeah, we've got a lot of uh, uh, we've got a lot of talent on the team, uh, which we're very proud of. Uh, and uh, yeah, we do have uh, a lot of people that love tinkering around and writing uh, software. So we do. It's nice to reach out to other folks, but that's true. So, so really good conversation. So here's how I want to just pivot the conversation, because we normally talk about the news. We normally talk about attacks. We normally talk about breaches. We normally talk about all these things. And the reason, why I wanted to, uh, no, and the reason why I wanted to ask you these questions is because you think like those people every single day. Your job is to think like an attacker. Your job is to try to breach something. Your job is to do it first so it doesn't actually happen to the bad people do it. And so when I'm listening to you thinking like, well, if this is the way you think, if you're relying on human behavior, then are the attackers relying on human behavior? If they're relying on a a background in information technology, then then do they have a background in information technology? So I'm just trying to hear like your perspective on how you attack a company because it's how attackers attack a company. Um, Yeah, I've definitely found a struggle. So part of my career, I I dealt with, you know, um, well-funded nation state actors, right? And now when I do red teams, you know, I I try and at least flavor it in that kind of way. Like, for example, the one I was just on, I found out that they had some pretty good monitoring on their their Windows endpoints. When we uh, got an implant to run, it did run. I got, you know, execution. But the moment that um, you know, I did any kind of operation, it was basically all over it. And, you know, their IR team or their monitoring team was you know, pretty quick. So I made a decision to kind of stay off the endpoints for a while. Now, which that probably doesn't make sense out of, out of context, but uh, we actually had um, kind of simulated a, a Dropbox. And that's why I was kind of hoping Ralph would stick around because um, we did a talk uh, at B-Sides Tampa on uh, on next-generation Dropboxes, and so I actually had one deployed for this red team that was a Raspberry Pi uh, for Dropbox like we talked about in our talk. And it actually worked really well because I was outside of, of, of the monitoring and detection. And then, you know, once I ended up uh, getting... Uh, uh, getting some credentials, some domain credentials, I just went and and was a, an actual user at that point. I wasn't really using tools, and I kind of kind of stayed away from trying to make like a lot of noise in terms of getting caught by what I knew, like from experience. This was a Microsoft DDR product, right? And I knew from experience that this is going to be tough to operate, at least with my normal tool set. And so uh, I tried to get, and this is one I actually talked to Joff about. That's why he's kind of shaking his head because we talked about this, <laughs> like, and what the strategies were. And so I ended up finding some really cool stuff by trying to emulate what I would consider to, what a threat actor would do in that in that you know circumstance. And you know, I actually had the customer ask me at one point, "Have you got domain admin yet?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get domain admin. I'm not going to try. Right? I don't need it because I could tell by the amount of data that was accessible to me and like what we had going on that." I would be able to demonstrate risk. Yeah, so that, there's, there's a whole lot to unwrap in that statement, right? Because Derek's talking about so, so there's a, there's this thing in pen testing, right? There's 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 the thing that we all get thrilled about, and that's doing a little bit of the uh, I call it the root dance, and that is th- there is kind of this mindset that you get into that when I get into an environment and I'm hacking away, I want privileges, right? And you get sort of 
hyper-focused on that, like, give me privileges, because the more privileges I've got in that environment, the more escalation I've got, the more data that I can get a hold of. And sometimes you have to shake your, it's not always true. Sometimes you have to shake yourself loose from that perception and go, wait a minute, with the user access that I have, I might actually be able to demonstrate a significant amount of risk without actually obtaining any additional privilege in that environment, without actually escalating. We did end up getting some level of administrative credentials that furthered the test for for sure, right? But I I mean, as a goal of getting domain admin, it just like, it's not something we were going after. Instead, you know, we had worked with a customer and found out like where, you know, like what they were concerned about. And we just drove the test that way. And we didn't need domain admin to do it. Right. So the other cool thing, the other cool thing you were saying, and and this is something we're seeing as a trend more and more, is the maturity of endpoint defenses. Just just to get down the technical path for a minute, has gotten significantly better in the last you know five to ten years. I mean, it really has ramped up a lot, and a lot of this is to do with, uh, all right, ready with everybody's tequila, big data analytics, right? Processing in the cloud has got to do with enhancements and statistical modeling in artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms. I know everybody wants to drink right now. I know everybody wants to drink. But honestly, those things are spot on. Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, You know, and that's one of the reasons I'm pursuing it, you know, a data science master's is to to, to understand that machine learning aspect because I got burned by it, right? And so how am I going to beat it if I you know, don't understand how it works. Right? Exactly. And so, you know, I, I already have some really neat ideas, but no, I, I agree a hundred percent because um, you talk about, you know, using math and statistics on, on big data sets. I mean, it's hard to hide from math. It yeah. Is. Well, so, so, but the, the trends is there and, and a lot of that activity occurring actually on the endpoint. And in most cases it's, it's occurring, uh, primarily on a Windows 10 endpoint today. Yeah, uh, but, and so but, a, lot, a lot of those detections that, you know, like, they're, not all of it is AI. I mean, there's some, like, you know, in the background, right? But what I was impressed with right. recently um, was, you know, just, like, even though I got code execution, any of those operations, you know, that anything I did afterwards is what they were alerting on post-exploitation activity. Right. Was, I'm really impressed. So. Yeah, I mean, so, but, but to, to your point and to your strategy and what we had discussed is what we find ourselves doing as pen testers is trying to get that initial code execution. Once we get it, we try not to do things on the endpoint directly now because if you, uh, if you execute code on the endpoint beyond that initial access, you're likely to get caught these artificial intelligence algorithms, some of these machine learning algorithms. But what we can do and what we are doing more and more is actually proxying the traffic across the network through the endpoint and executing the actual attack methodology on, on systems other than the endpoint itself. And so the enterprise customer that's dealing with that or whomever it is has to get better at network-based detection because the actual activity is not being executed on the endpoint itself. And so, like everything, there's always going to be this pivot, this push and pull of, you know, attack, defense, and we pivot to some other form of attack, the defense evolves. And we're going to see that, we see that continue continual cycle occurring all the time, right? I mean, we all know still 
that the human is ultimately the weak point and remains the weak point. So socially socially engineering somebody is extremely attractive to us on the attacker side. But once we have socially engineered them, now it's a matter of how do we actually execute code on that endpoint without tripping uh, over some of the much more effective alarms that are in place now that were not in place, you know, as little as even five years ago. Yeah, so there's actually a question in chat that I can see that uh, have you had a Good Lord, a question. Thwarted, this is turning into a fascinating discussion yeah, for a it, five. Do you have a customer who either thwarted Bloodhound from running or at least uh, had an alert go off when it did? Uh, the answer to both is yes. Yes. Um, I think that actually I'd be surprised on an endpoint uh, now on a Windows 10 endpoint with a fully like updated defender um, that you're going to get Bloodhound to run at all on that endpoint. Um, but, um, you know, I've tend, I, I send, I usually try the Python based one now if I'm positioned to do so, which I often am. Um, but then, you know, there are novel ways to, to try and get past that, you know, EDR with execution in a different way. But what, let's just assume that you got past it running that, you know, cause downloading the PowerShell script or the .NET uh, executable, yeah, good luck, right? It's it's probably not going to run. I mean, there are things you can do to it to get it to run. So let's assume you got it to run. And then, you know, when Bloodhound then runs, if you're instrumented to gather the data and then do some of the analytics that Joff was just talking about, yeah, definitely gotten caught that way. Um, so, um, and, you know, I, I, I think that it's good to be able to catch Bloodhound running, but I... I actually, you know, I, I kind of am on the fence of whether or not it should be considered like malware because, you know, like EDR. Yeah, hey, it's kind of an auditing it. tool, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, like, yeah, you can whitelist it, but like, okay, so if I wrote my own Bloodhound from scratch, right, would Microsoft then, you know, would EDR get it? And the answer is no, it won't, right? Because I can tell you that a lot of, you know, in the, at least in the past, a lot of AV and EDR products are really good at catching pen testers and pen testing tools. I question the, uh, you know, whether or not they're good at catching actual attackers. I'm not yeah. saying they don't. I'm just saying it's been my experience when we use something custom that we've written in-house that we have not released at Black Hills. Like, it's most of the time it's really successful. So yeah. to wrap up today, um, if a pen tester doesn't get in, was the defender defenders good, or was the pen tester not as creative as they could have been? There's no clear answer to that. I mean, there are there's no doubt that a pen tester needs to be very creative, especially in a highly secured environment, right? that you're not going to have it handed to you. Now, if you're in an environment that is barely secured, you can fumble around like an elephant in a china shop. Actually, that's not a good, it was the bull. But anyway, you, you can break glass all over the place and you're not likely to get seen. And you'll probably fumble your way through to getting your execution of whatever to work. If you're in a well-secured environment, there's no room for fumbling. You have to get creative quickly. Uh, otherwise, you're just not going to even get to the first rung of the ladder. A lot of it does depend on the maturity of the level of customer that you're dealing with. And I think Derek and I have a very rose-colored glasses, biased kind of view on this because we've been at Black Hills for a little while. In fact, I think I'm employee number three or four or something. And five now. 
yeah, you're one up from me or something near that. I think and, and, and so what happens is we get given the difficult ones, right? We get given the challenging tests because we've been doing this a while and, and, and uh, I think we know what we're doing. But there's a disadvantage to that because if you're always getting the difficult ones or the more mature environments, you kind of get a really biased view of the world, right? It doesn't help this, with the imposter syndrome at all. It doesn't help with the imposter syndrome, no. But so, you also get this, like when you run into something that is a less mature environment, you're like, oh man, this is a cakewalk. You're like, you know, I could be drinking beer half the day doing so, this, although I wouldn't do that, right? But You know, I think also it depends on the engagement again, but let's talk about like, you know, like a, a full-on like, you know, red team. Like most of the time, like from the beginning, I, I, I talk to the customer when I'm leading the engagement and, and try and find out like what keeps them up at night. Like, what are you worried about? And then let's say we're going to start off with trying to get out in from the outside. You know, I talk to them like, look, you know, we have a set amount of time. And so let's say we have three weeks and I think we should agree upon a, a, a time like you know, a week and a half mark, maybe after the first week, where if, if we haven't got, been successful fishing you, we should move on and you should run our implant or, you know, you should run right. our executable because unless you want the report to say we fished for three weeks and we didn't get in and we didn't find anything on the outside here, have a nice day. Is that really how you want to spend your money? Or do you want us to say, Hey, this wasn't successful because of like whatever, right? Because fishing, let's face it, it's, it's hard. People still, yeah, fishes still get through, but there's a lot of good defenses in place and there's a lot of layers to it. And so I usually say, we'll turn it into like, we'll just, you know, acknowledge that it didn't work and we'll move on to the next step. And this is where compromise. Yeah. And this is where like I start, you know, and now you can drink your second shot of tequila. I actually think this is where the kill chain is useful, right? Because you can then like synthesize through those steps of attacks and say, okay, like, you know, we start the reconnaissance phase. Did you catch us there? Right. And believe it or not, I have been busted. Like, through reconnaissance from a really mature customer and it, it impressed right me, you know, even if you're me, right? even if you're doing so-called yeah. no touch reconnaissance right well yeah i mean it's pretty anyway, hard to do uh, that right i mean I'm, yeah i was impressed right but and yeah. so we start to go down through and like say okay well we were successful here let's explore where you have because the ultimate goal is in my opinion is to demonstrate risk right so i think that question you asked is the pen tester or the customer i agree with it. it's a blend of both but i think you also have to have the goal like like companies aren't hiring us to prove how like elite hacks where we are right like that well whether or not i'm successful i gauge that on whether or not i was able to demonstrate risk to the customer and then also um do they come back <laughs> like yeah. for business later because uh we you know we definitely like that repeat business right yeah, you know, and along those lines, one of the things that a lot of pen testers forget, and this is a good lesson to, to remember if you're listening, kids, document your failures. It's okay to fail as a pen tester as long as you gave it a solid effort and you can write about it, right? It, it sucks to write about it. It makes you feel awful when you're writing about it. you got to go, yep, I tried this leap thing and, you know, I threw all this against the wall and it didn't stick. I think we're going to wrap for today, but that is my biggest takeaway. Document your failures, because that will also show the blue team where they were effective and where they had their stuff together. So uh, any final thoughts before we wrap? Yeah, report as you go. 
Reporters. Reporters, you go. Amen to that. All right, Ryan, take us on out. Thank you for joining us today. We didn't really have much news to talk about, but we wanted to talk about what we talked about. See you all next time. Oh, man, it's Bo. He's jamming. We gone?